Hackers, that sound, that audio means we are back with another episode of the Paleo Hacks Podcast. This week, we got my main man, fat burning man, I should say, Abel James, back on the show. We had him, what was it, probably a year and a half ago. Um, he recently went on a hiatus, traveling around the world, living a minimalist lifestyle, as he calls getting his wiggles out. So we're here today to talk about how you can do paleo, do health on a budget, not just eating, but also exercise, mindsets, and things you can incorporate into your life beyond health and paleo to make yourself have less stress, whether that be minimizing your workload, or how do you be more effective in less time? How do you leave work at the office, or let your work time be your work time, and your playtime be your playtime? Paleohacks.com is the place to be. For everything paleo and more, we got a form over there. We got blog articles. We got it all. Clark at paleohacks.com. If you want to get a hold of me, let me know what you think about the show. And then also on YouTube, I've been cranking out videos three a week on lifestyle, on personal development, the things you can do to make your life better. Kind of what we talk about at the last portion of this call. Just search Clark Danger on YouTube. Clark Danger Fitness is the channel handle. And the last thing I want to leave you with. If you want to support the show, we're not asking for donations. We're not asking for anything. We're not asking for sponsorships, whatever. We're asking for reviews and ratings on iTunes. If you have five minutes of your day, it would mean the world if you head over to the page uh, on the podcast section to search Paler Hacks and give our show, I don't know, five-star reviews is the best. If you like it that much, go for it. And just write a little blurb that if you like the show and so other people can find it and it supports and helps us grow. That's it. You guys ready for the show? I'm ready for you to hear it. Let's go see what my fat burning man, Abel James, has to say. Okay, Paler Hackers, with me today is author, biohacker, and host of the Fat Burning Man Show, Mr. Abel James himself. What up, Abel? Life is grand, man. What's cooking? Life is grand. And Fat Burning Man Show, I read was the number one show on iTunes in eight countries or something like that? When I first started, it was it was kind of nuts because it's still, I'm sure you can relate to this. You feel like you're just talking into a microphone at your computer. Yeah. <laughs> and like the rest is all kind of magic or made up or whatever. But uh, yeah, it was, it was a friend of mine uh, back at the beginning of the paleo days from the first paleo conference, actually, um, Dean Dwyer, who sent me this screenshot of like, all these podcasts and there was like Jillian Michaels and then mine was number two. This is after like a couple months after I started and I'm like, I didn't even know what this chart was or that, you know, people measured that stuff. Right. But uh, yeah, all of a sudden it just kept like going up and, uh, you know, I think it was that weekly clip of doing it for like two and a half years every single week and uh, bringing on people who were kind of like out of the loop in some cases, not in the normal circles uh, who people hadn't heard from, like the show with my mom was one of the most popular shows back huh. in the day. And like, it was just, it was fun to make it like personal and real. And, uh, I've been off the grid for the past like six months and just now starting to come back and it's, it's awesome. Okay. And so I was kind of stalking my guests before the call, like I always do. Yeah. And I, I did notice you went off the grid for about six months or so. So <laughs> totally. So what were you doing? Living it uh, We, so in, we were living in Austin for the past like five, six years. And Damn. in June, we decided to sell everything, uh, including my house and cars, and just travel the world for a while because we're going to you know, get old and boring and settle down and have kids right. sometime in the next few years probably. So we're just trying to get our wiggles out. And uh, so we went to 
uh, Fiji, Australia, lived in Bali for a while, and then did a road trip of like all of North America for the rest of the time and Whoa. like lived in national parks and mostly just spent a lot of time in nature, a lot of time in the woods, not really talking to anybody, just recharging. And it's been awesome. So you lived it up. Yeah, totally. Life was hard <laughs> those six months, huh? Life was pretty tough. Well, actually, so this is crazy, but our truck caught fire on the way to Burning Man hauling an RV. That's, that's ironic. Uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's stranger it's than fiction. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, go ahead. And and just like living on the road out of a camper van or out of a, uh, you know, basically a tiny house for that period of time and, and changing your environment so often is for some people a dream and for other people a nightmare and like the truth is is it's somewhere in between and it's really hard sometimes but it's awesome training for yourself for your own patience for learning skills you know it's basically we had this uh it's a chevy truck like a big diesel that we need to haul this toy hauler that we have that we've been living in and that's essentially learning how to drive a semi (laughs) like during a snowstorm going neck and neck with those guys down a highway that's that's icy is just like that's the type of training that's hard to explain to anyone who hasn't really been there but it's, yeah it's man. been cool that's uh have you seen the show ice road truckers yeah <laughs> like that so abel james was part of the crew that's right i mean, I mean you're missing Not about long though 200 pounds and an overgrown beer and <laughs> a slightly uh i'm breaking the stereotype a 20 year meth addiction like but you know you're right. you're getting there <laughs> totally because that's a huge problem like those truckers who are driving these massive things of machinery like yeah. thousands of pounds tons and they're going over these icy roads and you know <laughs> one way it should be and then you know you almost incentivize driving through the night because you get paid right. more and you drive right. fast because you make it there faster i mean that's so dangerous that stuff is no joke yeah we uh we definitely felt like we were on the edge a few times so on your road trip then when you're going there i mean i'm I'm imagining you know it's truck stop truck stop truck stop did you ever feel like you were uh ostracized from the big the big car (laughs) league because you were in a camper and the truckers would look at you like you're the the lame kid on the schoolyard or or what was that feeling like? Yeah. In some ways, in in some ways for sure. But my mom's side of the family, actually her sister married like one of the uh, big guys in a biker gang essentially. So that was kind of a part of growing up too. That was kind of fun to like slap the chaps back on, so to speak and, and live that. But mostly it was um, this camper I was pretty stoked about because I was looking like I'm a musician and I need a practice space almost more than anything Mm. else. And so like having a mobile studio is really, really appealing because I go out to the West coast in LA to record sometimes and other times in other places. So, uh, I didn't even know this thing existed, but I walked in, it's called a toy hauler. And basically it's like nitro circus and all those racing teams. They use it to fill it up with like ATVs and motorbikes, but they started, um, tripping them out with like good, uh, kitchens and like a pretty comfy place to sleep okay. and the stuff that you would need um, also in base camp, you know, if you're going to go on an adventure or something. Right. But basically it's just a big box. And so I took all of the guts out of it. It's like totally modular and it's just a big box with like almost no furniture. So it encourages me to be on my feet or moving or mobile and uh, just a bunch of my instruments in there. So it's a practice studio. And so, so it's kind of like a U-Haul trailer that you pull behind? <laughs> yeah. yeah, like a, gear, yeah, a like gear trailer. You make it comfy. Right. And so it's got like carpet and it's got kind of a nice feng shui thing going on. And it's all zenned out. And, you know, it has our favorite 
pictures and other things to make it feel kind of homey, but it's been a really cool practice in, in good habits. I yeah. think living in such a small space, your musician bachelor pad. That's right. <laughs> Did you put a slow cooker in there too? We do have a slow cooker. Yeah. And it usually has, uh, well, that's, that's an interesting thing, right? Cause like my, my lifestyle is such that a lot of times I'm, I'm working or writing or playing music during the day yeah. and I'm not really, I'm not really eating and I have my crock pot going with broth in it. And so I'm, even either having like teas or coffee or, you know, coffee with some fat in it um, or sipping on a lot of the time, like soup or broth or some kind of light food that keeps you going. And that's been a really, really um, healthy thing for me. I, I've been able to get away with a lot <laughs> with those kinds of habits. Yeah. So when you're traveling and, and I guess to focus on the road trip aspect of it, I mean, you're on the road. So, yeah. you know, when people come on the call or you get emails, I'm sure you get tons of emails from your podcast. It's always the excuses. And the number one is, is I don't have the time yeah. or I don't have the, uh, you know, I'm on the road. I'm traveling. What do I do? Right. Oh, I can't eat healthy. You know, blah, blah, poor me. What did you do? I mean, you were living that excuse for six months. So you <laughs> we, can, we still are actually right yeah. now. We're we're shooting some cooking videos, um, and so we just decided to rent a place for like a week. And this place is in the mountains of Arizona, which I barely even knew existed before this. Yeah. But like, we're right next to literally. I'm looking at a Jack in the Box. They've got a cheesecake restaurant right down there. Yeah, they do. And there, uh, there is fortunately a Whole Foods and even a Natural Grocers in this town, which is pretty cool. Because okay. you can go there and get organic, fresh produce, stuff like that. But we've been in so many places where, I mean, if you guys who are listening have trouble getting good food, fresh food, um, and certainly having it be convenient, we totally feel you. Yeah. Because most, most places in America... And uh, and even other countries make it really a uh, an inconvenience to go and source awesome food. If you live in you know Austin or a lot of places in California or more metropolitan areas, a lot of them do have you know good options. You still have to find them out. But if you're living in in the kind of in between the suburbs where the the shopping malls repeat themselves every five minutes when you're going down the highway, it's it's hard to find something that isn't Applebee's. You know? Yeah, for sure. And so you're renting a place in Arizona and you know, you're traveling a lot. So what did you do? Like what, what is, how did you adapt your nutritional approach and kind of like, what was it before and what is it now? Well, it was pretty easy to have like our kitchen at home set up with everything that we needed. Like you just open a drawer, you know exactly where it is. You pull it out, say it's, you know, a greens powder or something like that to throw in a smoothie or, uh, or if it's, you know, you know that you have some steaks that are waiting in your chest freezer. That's great because like there are very few excuses to that roadblock that comes in between, yeah. which is like your own healthy habits. So the opposite end of that is like you're in some random, like your RV breaks down in some random town, which happened to us a bunch of times. And you're in this hotel and all they have is like, you know, Folgers coffee and donuts. <laughs> so what do you do? Um, the good well, stuff, man. Uh, I know you got to just, it hurts you know, so went, good when in Rome, <laughs> indulge in some Folgers, man, nothing right. like it. Fresh roasted, single sourced, organic shade grown. <laughs> Continue. What, what we do, uh, what we learn to do is to get a lot of really healthy, um, like shelf stable fats and keep them in our backpacks and keep them in our luggage. So things like those little packets of, um, coconut mana or coconut, like the coconut mealy stuff, the, basically it's just 
uh, coconut that's been macerated, but it's all mm. the good stuff, the coconut cream. Little packets of that or uh, nuts where we'd make our, we'd roast our own nuts sometimes, kind of make our own gorp. Um, and then, you know, f- we did have a freezer. And I think anyone who's, who's traveling has at least access to something like that. And if you don't and you're vacationing, you can at least get a cooler. Um, so there was another challenge of it, which is our dog. And she's a 75-pound Labrador retriever who we try to feed as much as we can raw. So, I mean, that was actually the bigger challenge than feeding us was, um, was feeding the, just the sheer amount of meat that that dog eats is, is yeah. a lot to handle. So, basically, we would keep a lot of frozen meat, a lot of frozen veggies and make uh, smoothies. We'd make, they would blend up our salad because like this, you don't want to have a frozen veggie salad if you right. can't get a fresh one. So it was stuff like that. It's like you can still do it. You just have to plan ahead every once in a while. So if we'd find a store that we really liked, a natural store, uh, whether Whole Foods or just like a mom and pop place, we'd stock up for the next two to three weeks just in case okay. uh, a lot of the time and then freeze whatever we needed to. It sounds like when people have that excuse of I don't have the time, it's not necessarily they don't have the time, but they don't have the priority, right? Like, right. Right. they almost like having that excuse of this is why I can't do it. And they cling on to that story and they don't let it go because it makes mm-hmm. them feel fine to keep doing the same things they're doing. And no, no judgment there. It's just a reality check. It's like saying you can do it if it's a high enough priority. Is that kind of what you're getting at? Well, totally, because there are people who uh, work a lot of different jobs and have very little time. And um, fortunately, I'm not usually there now, although it goes in, in births, but I certainly was there and yeah. I know how hard that is. And I think we all do, but it's something where if you don't keep your eye on the ball, you're going to get burned in one way or another. It, you know, it still happens to me. I'll go and just, uh, you know, I, I get used to anything that I buy, any food that I buy. I look at every single ingredient that's in it. That's just a habit that I have. Um, and every once in a while, I'll just, you know, look at the front, take a quick look at the back, grab it, throw it in in uh, the cart. And then when we get, hum- get home, I'm like, what is this crap? How did they sneak all of these chemicals into this thing that, you know, was so easy to think was healthy? So you just have to, like, be honest with yourself and make sure that before it crosses your lips, you kind of inspect it. <laughs> the, the natural beaver extract, right? Yeah, exactly. We, we spoke about that last time. Uh, so grim. What was that? <laughs> Castorium, I think is how you yeah. say it. And it's, they, yeah, they milk it out of the rear ends of, of the glands of beaver, the scent glands of beavers. Now, the, the good news about that, you know, that's just like an illustration of how out of hand things are. The milking but, part? Yeah. (laughs) Whose job is it? Like, all right, Abel, you got to go to work today. You got eight hours of milking duty. Start now. I don't know know if they pay them a little or a lot, but to me, that's still not enough. (laughs) Do you get paid by like the bucket or do you get paid by the hour or like do you have quotas to make? (laughs) That'll be the next podcast, I think. Good, man. Yeah, we'll we'll get to the bottom of this. Pun intended. Oh, God. (laughs) You went there. Yeah, I went there. I did. So, okay, avoiding the beaver extracts and yeah. you, you look at the labels and you look at the, you know, it's a habit and you get into it and stuff. And and so do you still get fooled? Are you better at it or? or? Yeah, you get better and better. But the problem, here's, here's another big problem is now paleo is catching on, obviously. And we all kind of knew that it would. Anyone who was like present in the community anyway, yeah. as a lot of the people who are listening are. Um, and it's it's so frustrating because everything that I see almost everything I see with the paleo name on it 
that's starting to pop up in all these stores and being marketed as paleo is not paleo at all. Really? <laughs> it's like, you know, it'll be a little uh, paleo granola bar or paleo jerky or whatever. The jerky has 10 grams of sugar in it. The, the, bar that's supposed to be protein rich and totally paleo you know it has honey in it so it's paleo or maple sugar or whatever else they they say caveman ate you know which is debatable um and and it's supposed supposed to be compatible with a paleo diet but it's processed food just like anything else is and so i think a lot of people are being introduced to paleo in the stores now through this junk food which is uh which is a huge problem because Paleo, if it wants to get bigger, needs to kind of clean up its reputation, I think, as, as a group that's just kind of mindlessly eating meat, which is what a lot of the outside world thinks of paleo. You See, know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, you touched on two things that I kind of want to hit on. The first is how it's growing, the movement, I guess. And the second is kind of what is paleo. So I guess to tackle the yeah. first one, like I was in Costco the other day and um, – pushing the cart and I passed by the book section and it's all the, it's all books. It's paleo, you know, it's new year's, it's all this stuff. And it it seems really clean and like they're getting really uh, conscious about upgrading their quality and you start seeing organic in there and you start seeing, Mm -hmm. you know, gluten-free everywhere and you start seeing all this stuff and Costco is quickly becoming a a kind of a promoter of this newer crave of, of upgrading yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. Have you seen that just in other stores or Costco in particular? Yeah, you're starting to see. I mean, there's organic food in Walmart now. And that, um, compared to where we started, is awesome. It's still like full of a lot of problems. There are still challenges there, things that are, you know, now organic as a label is getting pretty lax, as is pasture raised, grass fed. You know, you can find grass fed meat that was not fed on grass now. (laughs) <laughs> but is called grass fit. You know what it's, yeah. it's like, and that happens to everything. So as it's, as it's expanding now, that said, that's probably better than what people were eating beforehand, even if they kind of fall into that whole trance. Sure. But I think it's up to us as the leaders of the movement to really say, to define, define the parameters and put this all into perspective because industrial food, that's why I, I actually, you know, instead of saying paleo throughout my book and throughout a lot of my stuff, I, I could see that it, the term itself was getting kind of confounded. And so I wanted to use wild as basically, it's not mine. You know, it's not a name that I'm trademarking and, and you know, trying to profit from as some crazy brand or something like that. It's more just like a, and I think people will find this as they read the book. It's, there's industrial, domesticated, uh, type of food and type of living. And then there's the opposite of that, which is wild, which is where we all at our roots came from. And uh, we don't have to go back to 10,000 years ago or, or longer than that to, to get in touch with some of the things that are, you know, common sense, good, healthy habits. We can ask our grandmothers, you know, <laughs> we can go back to our old family recipes that were built around fresh food. And uh, so it really like my approach is trying to encourage that as opposed to some mar- some some term that marketers can really abuse because okay. we're all starting to see that with paleo. Yeah, it's almost like back in the day. I remember when I was I don't know twelve or something. John Deere tractor 
gear was getting mm-hmm. really big. Like people would start Ashton Kutcher was like wearing John Deere hats and the dude lives in Hollywood, California. And you're like, there's no right. way that guy actually like bought a John Deere hat because he's a fan a of like, yeah, totally. Right. But it was a fashion statement. It was fashionable. Mm-hmm. He's wearing this John Deere hat everywhere. So everyone right. around you started getting these John Deere hats <laughs> and it was like the cool thing to get. And it wasn't because you like John Deere. It was because right. it was what was fashionable. So it's totally. almost in a way kind of like the Walmart organics. I feel like organics becoming right. the John Deere hat and people are just, you know, it's cool. It's fashionable. It's selling. And so they're stocking their stores with it regardless right. of if they actually believe in John Deere or organic or free range <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I like I like what you're saying about kind of going beyond the label, I guess, to wild food. And you mentioned you have um, we talked a little bit before the call. Yeah. Your new book, The Wild Diet, kind of getting revamped, and it's on pre-order now, correct? Yeah, April 7th, it'll be in bookstores everywhere, and right now you can pre-order it. And we're giving a bunch of stuff away, too, as a okay. as a uh, incentive to buy a book before you get it. Okay, <laughs> and so if I were to get kind of that like press release sheet with the frequently asked questions on there, mm-hmm. what would be the SparkNote version of the book? Like, what's the premise behind it? Why did you write the book? It's yeah. So, um, sorry, that's like, two, really... that's, that's two questions. I, I guess the, pre- <laughs> what's the premise around the book? Not we can get the, into the why. premise. The premise is that we all have the, the truth about food deep within us. And if we're honest with ourselves, we all know what fresh food is. We all know that when, when you smell it and you truly taste it and it comes from, you know, a, a farmer just a few doors down or, uh, in the next town, it's better for you than some random stuff that was, you know, shipped in a tanker from Chile six months ago and then sprayed up with a bunch of wax and chemicals to make it look fresh. Yeah. Um, we all, we all know that. And so this is basically about, I, I hope the book sa- says to people that it's a lot easier than most people are making it out to be, you know, like a lot of people make money and, and sacrifice their own consumer's health by trying to make this sound so freaking complicated but it's really, really simple. It's like eat fresh foods, plenty of vegetables, eat a bunch of different kinds of foods, eat with the seasons. We all know this. you know. When you eat uh, meat, make sure that it doesn't come from a factory farm where all of the animals are sick and pumped up with hormones and antibiotics and, and you know, pouring with pus and blood and mucus. Like If you look at where your food comes from, it is gnarly and dark where most of our food comes from right. in America. Right. So it's up to you to really revisit that and, and develop a relationship with your food. Eat it not sucking down a burrito in the front front seat of a car on your way to something else, but you know, using food as as a gift if you're cooking for uh, people you love because that's it's one of the most intimate things there is. And uh, also getting people back in touch with the meal. Because uh, one of the coolest things about like traveling around the world, as we've been doing, is seeing how different cultures treat their food and their experience of, of mealtime. And I mean, you go to Italy and, and dinner is a far different thing than it is in America. You know, it lasts it's three to five, five times hours. longer. Yeah. It's five <laughs> hours long. It's yeah. this like celebrate. It's Thanksgiving every night. And, uh, yeah. and, and I think, you know, we don't need to do that necessarily. But just knowing that you can every once in a while on a random Tuesday, have the best time of your life and eat some really good food. That's, that's what heals you. That's what keeps you away from being obese and sick. Um, it gets to the root of something that's, that's much deeper about all of this. Hmm. 
That's really true, though, because that five-hour dinner, people are hearing that and scoffing at it and saying, I don't have the time. I mean, even in my head, I was like, who's going to yeah. do a five-hour dinner, Abel? <laughs> right. But it is getting back to what we were talking about at the start of the call, the priority aspect of it. You know, yeah. It seems like in America, maybe, to generalize, we're all caught up in this rush of being productive and getting things done and maximizing our time and right. the slowdown isn't there. It's kind of like we're we're all stressed out and we don't take time to recover. And so maybe a theme I'm hearing emerge from what you're talking about is taking that time and prioritizing it and mm-hmm. getting back to before we were all so stressed out and strung out. Yeah, we're totally strung out. And all these, I talk about this in my book too, uh, all the... <laughs> It's cool when you live without all the devices for a while that are like blurping at you all day. It seems like every new thing that you get is like, Merp, yeah. pay attention to me. Merp, you need to do this. Merp. I just, I just got a text message during this call. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I get a Skype message, even though I thought I turned all that stuff off. Yeah. Because um, every time you get an update, they turn it back on for you, whatever. <laughs> um, so considerate of them. <laughs> I'm not bitter about that at all. We're trying to do Apple. a podcast and Skype is just beeping at us. <laughs> it's true though, man. But, yeah, you you go out and the, everyone knows at this point the phantom bloops and the phantom vibrations in their pockets or whatever. And uh, man, you get away from that for a few weeks, and it's really hard to come back. It's hmm. like uh, we because we sold a lot of our electronics too, and just kind of lived literally in the woods. Like we didn't have cell phone service, we didn't have internet, we um, didn't even have running water a lot of the time. We were carrying our water. I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but we wanted this to be kind of an exercise of what does it mean to be alive, like. What is walking the walk? Because this is what it is. Yeah. You know, uh, this is what our, I mean, my, my grandmother had to heat all of the water for her seven kids on the stove. And you don't really need to go to the gym when you live like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I, I think a lot of us are so stressed out. And now we have to kind of like force all of this lifestyle stuff into our own lives um, that used to be built in. So, getting back a little bit away from those all those machines and all those networks that are in them and all the people who you know are kind of like taking your energy all day I'll let it like basically allow that to exist and come to peace with itself sure and then you can get your brain back sure it's almost when you're talking I, I thought of it it's almost like we're reacting to everything you know you wake up right. you check your phone you're getting the twitter messages you're not really controlling that you're reacting to it you know, right. you're, you're trying to meditate, you're on your iPhone, you have this track you're meditating to, and boom, 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 things are coming up at you. You're reacting right. to it. Uh, emails pop up throughout the day, you're reacting to it. We're almost in this, this uh, not creating mode, but this response mode. And, and I think right. that that stresses you out because you feel like you're just this thing reacting to the stimulus around you. And you kind of yeah. lose, you lose yourself in that process. And um, so I really... And it's first- addictive. It is. Yeah, it's addictive. You feel like you're doing something when you're reacting because yeah. if I can just get my inbox to zero, okay, that's the pass-fail mark of my day if it was a success. You know? Or- one of the, actually, it was, it's funny you say that because one of the things that you know, made me go off the grid in a lot of ways, because I was doing, like I said, like for two and a half years every week, did an hour-long show yeah. and all the blog posts and all the production and all the other stuff, not to mention like my normal life and the other projects and the music and whatever. But yeah. it got to this point where uh, enough people were listening and, and writing to me and a bunch of peers, you know, in, in the field wanted to work together and, and partner and do all this stuff. And the idea of inbox zero just became, I had to face this with myself literally 
not something I could, I could do hmm. uh, maybe ever again. And so once you get to the point of knowing that there's too much coming at you, um, then you need to kind of reevaluate because if it's tearing you up that much, if it's, if it's taking that much energy away from the other things that you could really productively be doing, yeah. then it's not serving you to be reacting to this stuff all the time. Yeah. The inbox zero thing is kind of funny. I heard somewhere um, where someone did this thing called email bankruptcy where you basically have so many emails in there, like 600, 700. That's, that's what it is. Bankruptcy. Yeah. 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 And they just <laughs> declare right. bankruptcy and they send a, you know, to all their contacts and email saying, <laughs> Hey, good idea. Not responding, just uh, declaring bankruptcy. So we're starting fresh <laughs> tomorrow. Okay. Got it. Good. All right. Zero. <laughs> There's an email hack that's for terrific. you. Yeah. I like that. Hacking your email. <laughs> so I'm curious then, uh, we've been talking about going off the grid. We've been talking about kind of getting back. Is there anything this time around looking at your business, looking at your calls, looking at your approach that yeah. you're going to do differently that you learned, Oh, not doing that again. Or you, or you thought of, Ooh, I want to implement, implement that this time around. Yeah. Well, let's, let's start with the things that I'm doing right now. Like it used to be that when I first started, I would record the interviews when I could and when they came up and that was really hard. Yeah. Um, so now I batched them like, this week we rented this place to do the cooking videos. Like I made sure I got a haircut. It's <laughs> it's pretty much I'm wearing ready. pants right now just in case. And uh, and it, it it's cool to batch it that way because I know that in a week I'm getting a lot of work done. And then after that we're going to Peru for a few weeks and doing some like deeper spiritual type stuff and and exploring the world and and being able to be totally present when we're there knowing that we're off the grid, not checking email. And so I think it's that, it's that cycle of those two things. And I mean, yeah, for a lot of people, you're not going to be able to just like fly to Peru for a couple of weeks and tell everyone like, hey, resolve it, I'm bankrupt or whatever. <laughs> it's, I'm going to be very honest about the fact that I've been working on this for years, trying to get to this point where I could do that. And you, you just have to kind of start small. You know, at the beginning, take a day, you know, on Sundays, I'm off limits to like pretty much everyone with the exception of family or whoever I'm with. It's, it's, you know, a sacred day. Um, and many, uh, interpretations of the word, I think that you need to kind of keep for yourself in some way, um, a day like that once a week where you can just recover from all the things that you're going through so that you can really like kick butt on Monday and look forward to it. Um, so I've, I've been, especially conscious as I build a schedule instead of letting my schedule build itself, which is really tempting because yeah. it sucks to sit down and, and schedule everything out. I've been really intentional about which days are for what, where we're going to be to make sure that it's, it's what we want. And then we can look forward to it. Um, and we can look forward to every Sunday when we play a game or like do something that's kind of ritualized. Cause that's, that's one of the deeper things that I wanted to impregnate into the book itself and into my work is that, we all used to have this, <laughs> we all, out of necessity, a lot of the time, we all used to have this, but we had some community thing that connected us with the people around us in the real world, um, that we would go to regularly. And I think once we get out of schools, once we get out of our, our normal jobs or we switch jobs or we lose a job or something like that, it's really, um, it's hard to take that initiative to build that awesome thing for you that you know is good for you and, and keep doing it again. Right. Okay. And so with the book then going on this kind of what you're doing differently or what you learned, 
anything from the past nutritional wise or health wise or lifestyle wise that you're going to incorporate this time around? Yeah. Uh, more than anything else, it's just building the habits around what we know is already good for us, I think. So I've become a lot better at making sure that we get greens every day. So if we don't get a salad, we have a green smoothie. And if it's with fresh, that's great. But if it's not, we make sure we have frozen stuff too. And we also make sure that like the fruits that we have aren't too sugary. And if we're going to put like greens in that, like a, like a greens powder or vitamin C and other vitamins, like making sure that you order that, you order too much of that stuff yeah. in advance. Cause if you run out of it in the middle of something else, you're the like habits are going to fall off. So it actually yeah. it's, it's almost like the Costco approach, right? Like buying your, your good habits in bulk is something that can really help you out a lot. Cause if you have, you know, a bunch of pizzas in your fridge uh, or in your uh, freezer compared to a bunch of just like kale that's already mixed with a bunch of other veggies that you just throw in the blender. It's really easy to just throw in the veggies instead of the pizza. But if you're just left with the pizza, it's like, I'm hungry. You know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. I was just reading that book, the power of habit. Uh, yeah. Picked it up in an airport. It was the first book I read of 2015. Nice. Really big eye opener just on how we're just a bundle of habits and how totally. if you want to change your life, you need to change your habits and everything from how you wake work. Yeah, it takes work. It takes yeah. conscious effort and conscious work that you don't just kind of fall into better habits. Oops. So oh, I guess I'm eating organic and whole foods. <laughs> right. not like you gotta, you gotta make the effort. You gotta do the research. You gotta go for it, but you gotta take action. And yeah. so the habit forming, what you're talking about, man, that's so true. Like, and, and the, the biggest point I got from that book, why I'm talking about this is because it said, if you want to change your life, change your habits, but don't try and eliminate habits. You have to yeah. swap them. You have to make right, a, exactly. a lateral shift because mm -hmm. habits don't go away. They just swap forms. Um, right. Anytime you eliminate something, it's like this vacuum that needs to suck something into its place. You know, people who yeah. quit smoking, now they drink a lot or people who quit right. drinking, now they smoke a lot or, or they gossip or they watch crappy television kardashians you know like we mm -hmm. we need these habits to swap in and swap out so um did you find that with some of maybe changing habits or your lifestyle or does that resonate with you yeah the biggest thing and i'm, I'm huge on like the habit change and that being the way to like actually live well um i can't really turn the camera around right now but if you looked <laughs> over there in that room yeah. what you see is two guitars an amplifier a saxophone a speaker, and then a bunch of books. So when I walk in that room, and there is a huge TV because we're renting this place, but it's off and we don't really watch like the channel TV yeah. or whatever. So it doesn't, it's more just like an object there. It's not something that's sucking us in as much, but it's like- Looks cool. Yeah, it looks cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you, the good, like the guitars and the saxophone to me, when I'm sitting there bored, look way cooler. And so it's about building that around you no matter where you are. So if you're on the road- I have uh, actually dedicated a whole part of my book to this able survival pack. Hmm. And so like there's a – it's always like within a few feet of me. There's like this ugly old camelback backpack that I got you know like seven years ago or something like that. But it's been with me pretty much everywhere. Mm -hmm. And that thing has um, like all of my tonics, teas, uh, homemade supplements, other su supplements that I bring along for like adrenal support. It's got – activated charcoal if i get poisoned or diarrhea or want to whiten my teeth it's got coconut oil if i need you know some sort of moisturizer or cooking fat or whatever it's even got <laughs> like this little i went into a 
uh, hiking store and I found this thing for 10 bucks that uh, it's called a spice missile. You can unscrew the top and each section of it has a total of like six spices in it. Huh. So I always have really good like white pepper from, uh, from one of our travels. I have Himalayan sea salt, really good salt. I have cinnamon. I have uh, organic cocoa. And then I have like this garlic seasoning that I made and then hot pepper like, hmm. with wherever I go with whatever's in front of me. So if you're, if all, all you can get someplace is hard boiled eggs, that's okay. Cause at least you can flavor them. Yeah. 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 You know? Yeah. Get the cacao powder on the eggs, mm-hmm. whatever you're into, man. That's what I'm talking about, man. It sounds like <laughs> it goes along with uh, a theme I'm getting is prepping in advance, you know, especially yes. with the habit changing and just your lifestyle and batching things together And, uh, you know, we talked about switching grocery stores and planning in advance and planning Mm -hmm. your habits out and making eliminating excuses for the person listening at home that's ready to make changes and they want to apply kind of what we're talking about. um, Do you have one or two big things that they can do right now to help either eliminate excuses or start adding in better habits? Totally. In the morning, that's... uh... There's an awesome book uh, by Brian Tracy called Eat That Frog, I yeah. think is the title of it, which is basically about uh, – it's such a wonderful visual. Everyone knows that like there's at least one, usually a few, big pieces of gnarly, ugly work that you need to do pretty much every day. And that could be mm. in your personal life, your relationship life, your work life, whatever else. But um, it's it's great when you wake up and you're already grumpy and you're already kind of like dreading the day to just like jam through whatever that is. If it takes 10 minutes, that's great. If it takes 30, that's awesome too. But maybe it'll take the first, you know, big portion of your day. Do that one thing and get it out of the way. Um, And then basically you can coast through the rest of the day and you can use that as momentum to get a lot more done because you're, when you front load, the things that you need to do, yeah. you feel a lot better. So you can do that with a really ugly thing that might appeal to some people, but I'll offer a contrast as well. And, and I do this also every day is take um, at least a half an hour, usually about an hour to myself to do. Uh, I do Tai Chi and Qigong in the mornings uh, as well as sometimes like yoga or mobility or balance type work. Um, and then also usually like instead of exercising in big ways, a few days a week, like I used to do. Now I like doing like two to five minutes of exercise pretty much every day. Hmm. And so getting that in there as well. So that's done, uh, the, the, the physical movement part, also the mental meditate every morning. And then I go through a bunch of other like gratitude exercises and things that, um, sound woo woo and are easy to make fun of if you don't do them. Um, but they're really hard to do. And they're pretty much the best thing you could ever do. Not just for your own mind, but your own like health. You know, and, and the people around you do. It just makes you a better person right? When you, when you do this often. And so I do that every single day and I do it every single morning, usually without, within like 20 minutes of waking up. And okay. It doesn't matter how much time you have, like everyone has that or can make that at some point, even if it's just starting with, with five minutes of jumping rope or something like that in the morning. Like get it done and you'll feel so much better. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, like you said, you mentioned the keyword momentum. And mm-hmm. um, I'm curious, what do you think about quotas, like lower, lowering your quota? It's something I've been experimenting mm. with and just kind of yeah. making the pass fail mark a lot lower so you feel like you've completed something. Are you a fan That's of cool. that? I, I'm a big fan of that because, uh, you know, for a while there, especially because I was an athlete and 
you try to dictate your your workouts, especially as a guy, as as like how monstrous and painful they are. Yeah. Um, but if you start to actually, I had uh, Glenn, James Clear on my show a while back who who talked about this doing it in his own life, and he would go out and do deadlifts. I think it was just one exercise, and sometimes it was even just one rep instead of going out and doing your whole thing. Hmm. And he actually was able to, you know, up all of his or, or most of his metrics that way. Most of his goals went up. His his lifts got heavier, and it's that's just such a mental thing, right? It's just it's from like, the just from the one rep. But doing it like and dedicating yourself to it. Okay. You know what I mean? So it, I think most of the time it was one exercise and you do is do it to failure. That's that's kind of what I do. So basically I give my my signature workout, whatever it is, is like yesterday I knew that I'd be coming here and wouldn't have like a pull-up bar or something like that. But in the trailer, I can actually do pull-ups off the bed. And so I did 27 to failure each time, just twice. Like took like five minutes in between and did something else. And that was my workout for the day. Yeah. Um, in, in addition to the like Qigong in the morning, which yeah. is also a different kind of workout or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, if, if you do that, that's so much better than just like kind of dreading your workout or putting your shoes on and being like, oh, I can't believe I'm doing this. And then, yeah. you know, something happens on the way or you're late for your, your class and you can't do the group thing anymore. It's just, you you're know, if you find it. yourself yeah. getting to that, then it's time to switch it up and do something that's more, like you said, um, results-oriented and practical in the sense that you can just get it done and feel good about it. I think when you lower your quota, like you said, either it's just one exercise or doing pull-ups to failure, when you set the bar really low and you can complete it and feel like you have a win under your belt, you're more likely to do that. It's like it's the carrot or the stick, right? And yeah. I found um, I've never really had a problem necessarily motivating myself to work out, but I definitely found when I was working out, it would just drag. And I was yeah. you know, checking the watch and looking up there and finding more people to talk to and less time right. to work out. And <laughs> I mean, I go to LA Fitness. That's like, you know, social hour over there. The mixer, yeah. It's the mixer, man. You know, everyone by name. <laughs> But I found my past fail mark being a 15 minute, 20 minute sauna. Because some days I would ah. just, I would just avoid going to the gym. But I said, you know yeah. what? You can go there and take a sauna. All you That's have to do cool. is sit there. Yeah. And man, as soon as you're done with that, you got warmed up and you feel like moving. You feel like doing something right. else. You feel like you don't feel like going home yet. And so, mm-hmm. uh, just something as simple as just showing up, or maybe having your shoes by your bed and just getting them on and stepping outside. Or, yeah. or setting a pass fail mark to where it's really, really low, still doable, um, right. and you'll always feel it kind of going beyond. Yeah, like I have the seventy pound, seventy pound kettlebell. Which, <laughs> to anyone who's ever worked out with something like that, it's, it's like kind of terrible. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. barbaric almost. And so, I found that I just wasn't doing those exercises. I was doing other stuff instead and just kind of like rationalizing, looking at that thing and being like, no, man, not, sure. not right now. I've been burned before. But anyway, uh, what I did was basically just told myself, all right, we'll do, you know, 37 swings. Okay. And then, you know, I just put it right there and in between me walking and doing some, I think I was moving, you know, boxes around or something like that. And I'm uh-huh. just like, yeah, I can do 37 of those right now. And then I did it again. And so then I'm just like, well, five minutes later, I'm all kind of warmed up and feeling like, all right, well, that's not too bad. And then I would do, you know, like 21 presses with it and then do that again five minutes later. And then I would cap it off at if I felt like doing that one more time and just do some like deadlift type things, I would do that twice um, to less than failure. 
right? Mm. Like with a, with a more like brutal exercise like that, sometimes it's better to say, I can do 37 or like I can do five. Knowing that you can do more than that, yeah. but that you won't is a really good motivator sometimes yeah. because you can be like psyched and just know it's almost like you finished it already in your head. Sure. You're not dreading those last moments that are just, you know, that's, that's where the big injuries can happen too. And for me, I actually, in August, I was hiking with uh, my friend Pedram Shoja and we we're going to be shooting uh, a new show. And while we were hiking, I broke my foot making a jump. Mm. And uh, so I had to change all of my exercises and all of my habits. And now I'm like, you know, especially as I came back from injury, I'm just like, okay, I'm going to focus on form, right. not on being an idiot and doing monster lifts, you know? Right, right. Man. Well, Abel, to pull a phrase out of your book, I've listened to your show a few times just about now. You always say, all right, we're coming up on time. Want to want to respect your time. Get you out of here. Howdy. How you doing, folks? I, I've never said that. So we're coming up on time. I know you got a book out, man. Can you kind of give us the logistics of, of where we can find out more about it? it? Sounds really interesting. And I mean, it's what we've been talking about this whole time. So where yeah. would folks go to find out more about that? Yeah, the wild diet is what it's called, and it's anywhere that uh, bookstores will have it. Uh, April seventh, I think it is. You can pre-order it, pre-order it already, and then um, best place to find it though is wilddietbook.com. We're giving away a bunch of cooking gear, and basically, if you want my little spiel on the book, it's supposed to be a diet book for people who don't like diet books. <laughs> it's uh, basically written as memoirs, as stories, okay, and. Uh, they encapsulate more than 50 of our like best family recipes that we got from Allison's crazy huge Mormon family, my family from the middle of nowhere in New Hampshire, and then combined that with a lot of the people who are listeners to the show and uh, made some really kick butt food. And we eat it all the time. So wilddietbook.com is where you find all that good stuff. Awesome, Abel. And Fat Burning Man is the podcast, the number one one on iTunes. Um, I say that with no bitterness at all. No. <laughs> Maybe one day. You, know. you got this, man. Have I'm vo- on your show now, so you can totally do it. Voodoo doll <laughs> of Abel just every morning. Just <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Fat burning man. All right, dude. Hey, it was fun getting you on the call, man. Really appreciate you coming yeah, you by. Too. Uh, you got a lot of energy. And I enjoyed your stuff, and we'll definitely check out your book and promote the heck out of it on the show. Right on. Thanks, Todd. Mm-hmm.